RadioInfluence.com. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Rolling to the end of February and a doubleheader in the super middleweight division on two different continents is part of Big Fight Weekend. I am your somewhat lucid and capable host, TJ Reeves. It's great to have you back with us as part of our Big Fight Weekend podcast. However you found us through RadioInfluence.com or subscribing through uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever podcasts are found. Thank you for doing so. We remind you that we're Big Fight Weekend on Twitter and on Facebook, and you can go to the website, bigfightweekend.com. Marquise Johns and crew, contributors, including me, doing a great job on keeping you up with everything going on in the world of boxing, including this super middleweight title fight that is going to be headlined by Anthony Durrell, Coming up on Saturday evening from Minnesota on Fox Sports 1. Going to talk a lot about that today. You probably don't know a whole lot about his opponent. You may know something about Durrell, one of the fighting Durrell brothers, Andre Durrell, his brother. This is Anthony Durrell going for the 168-pound WBC championship. Again, FS1 Cable will televise it. Avni Yildirim is the fighter. Uh, fun pronouncing that name from Turkey, who has only one loss on his career, uh, is a former light heavyweight at 175, also fighting at super middleweight. He is the underdog in this one, fighting against Durrell, who is favored to win and recapture uh, for a second time a portion of the super middleweight championship. Going to talk a lot about that fight today and also earlier in the day in the UK, in London at the O2 Arena, it will be James DeGale taking on uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Very intriguing fight for both of these guys without a title on the line for a couple of reasons. Number one, they have had recent losses, both of them, that have knocked them down a peg. Now they fight each other, both hard hitters. Uh, DeGale a little older. We'll talk about this repeatedly throughout the show. And for Eubank, uh, at 29 years of age, still has a lot of boxing in front of him and has now signed on with the same promoter as Anthony Durrell, Heyman Boxing, for the opportunity, if he wins here, to maybe fight for the title again. Both of these guys at one time, DeGale and Eubank we're talking about, uh, held a portion of the heavyweight championship. Of course, Chris Eubank Jr. is the son of a former legendary British fighter from 20 years ago, 20, 25 years ago, Chris Eubank. And to that end, the boxing writer will be back with me, David Payne, who does a fantastic job of analyzing the fights here as part of this Big Fight Weekend podcast and also writing about them on his uh, website. The boxing writer's website is boxingwriter.co.uk. So I want to get some insight from him about this fight, pick his brain as well about the later fight in the United States between Durrell and Yildirim. And Yildirim again fought Chris Eubank uh, a year ago at this time, and uh, actually about a year and a half ago, and Eubank was victorious. So I'll get some insight from David Payne on that. Then later on in the podcast, Antoine Williams is back with me, who is a boxing promoter and -and up-and-comer with uh, the greatest of all time, a GOAT boxing promotions out of Houston, Texas. He's got thoughts on both these fights. Uh, More prominently, the Durrell title fight again in Minnesota. We're going to talk throughout the podcast. Minnesota suddenly becoming a hotbed of boxing, including a new fight being announced on Thursday afternoon uh, that will be coming back to Minnesota in the same weight division. We'll uh, we'll talk some about that with Antoine Williams as Big Fight Weekend rolls on. So again, a title fight in the U.S. in Minnesota, vacant WBC super middleweight belt. But earlier in the day, super middleweights from England, DeGale and Eubank part of this. 
It's a two-fisted attack on this edition of the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Let's get it all started as we roll on. As advertised, been looking forward to this, getting the opportunity to talk again with the boxing writer, David Payne, from over in England, who's been saying to me, we've got to have a Big Fight Weekend preview when DeGale and Eubank come around. They are coming around Saturday is the fight in London, and that will be on Showtime in the United States. And here he is from his website, boxingwriter.co.uk. David Payne back with me on Big Fight Weekend, gearing up for this super middleweight showdown over there. How you feeling? I'm very well, TJ. Thank you for having me back on. I must be. I must get a staff parking space at this rate. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's always good to be on the big fight weekend. Thanks for the invitation. And yes, I have been badgering you to have a bit of a chat about DeGale and Eubank. We do love our super middleweights here in the UK, and here we are again with another great crossroads uh, fight in the division uh, between two very good British fighters, which um, you'll get to see in America, I believe. It will have some indeed, that's for sure, with Showtime showing it. So, uh, again, why are you so big on this one being of importance, especially for the U.S. fight fans with a couple of Brits here that are going to be going at it? Uh, Well, for us here, uh, the name Eubank um, between junior and senior has been synonymous with uh, boxing with the division, um, with most of our memories for, for guys of our age, um, going back to the Eubank and Nigel Ben days. Um, so he's, he's, uh, it, it's a name that's like a tuning fork, really. Um, it, 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 what does it do? It drags us back to a time when these guys, uh, top guys got it on and there were pulsating encounters with real spite between them. So all that is evoked and brought back. And Eubank has capitalised on that throughout his career. He's not been shy of, of using that. And Eubank Senior has been around around his career and helping to promote and manage him throughout. So um, that's one side of it. And then James DeGale has been a great um, servant to British boxing he was the first Brit to win both an Olympic gold and then go on to win a world title. Um, so he's been a face on our screens for the best part of 10 years too. Um, so them coming together like this is uh, a very interesting fight. Um, there's an argument that De Gale is perhaps past his peak following surgery and now moving into his 30s. Um, and there's so many unanswered questions about Eubank. Or should I say... This is another opportunity for Eubank to answer the questions that he's failed to in the past a bit more positively. Um, so it's a real mix-up of where these two guys are in their careers, what their trajectories are, um, and there seems to be some genuine dislike between them. So they've got they've got a bit of history, and that's been brought back to the fore. So there's a there's a real cocktail. There's a cocktail of our pasts for those of us who are old enough to remember the 80s and 90s when um, Eubank Senior was at it, then we've got the name of DeGale and whether this is the last run. Uh, and then we've got that that spice, that little bit extra of some discontent between them um, that uh, always adds a little bit to the to the mix. So lots going on with this fight and I'm, and I'm really looking forward to it now. It's right here and upon us. Well, styles are everything in fights and also there are different variables age is one of those and i know you really believe going into this when you've previewed it on freebets.net you've previewed this degale eubank fight you believe 
that in this case, no titles on the line here, that it is more about uh, style and personality and uh, trying to gain respect and, and uh, a personal accomplishment, et cetera, et cetera. But the interesting thing is they got two different trajectories right now. DeGale older at 33. Eubank maybe has a bigger future, especially if he's able to get the win. What about that aspect in this fight, David? I think the mindset is very important in any fight. Um, the appetite to go beyond this fight and have a career and, and, and this to mean something, to get somewhere else, I think is very important. When fights get tough, when fighters get tired, they... It can seem melodramatic. It can seem like it's leaning on cinema too much, but they do have to dig down inside and ask themselves a question of how much they want to do this at that very moment in that difficult patch in a fight. Um, And if the answer is not positive, then that can make the difference between winning and losing uh, and finishing a fight and not finishing a fight. So DeGale does have those questions hanging over him. Um, Following the Badu-Jack fight, in January 17, so two years ago now, he got through to a majority draw, um, but he was busted up pretty badly in that fight, um, injured, and it took him a, a long time to rehab. He came back too quick um, against uh, Truax, lost his title, then won it back again, not that impressively. And you begin to wonder whether the the, the fights that he's had, the long career he's had, and that Badu Jack fight specifically, and as we know, Jack's gone on to do good things at light heavyweight, so he's a he's a very robust uh, guy to, to survive a 12-round war with. Um, one wonders whether he's had the fight, if you like, the appetite knocked out of him. Uh, and that's the question that's been posed to him a little bit. And that seems to be what Eubank believes or is to some degree counting on. That came out in the press conference a little today that uh, James DeGale believes that they think that he's finished and he's, he's out to prove that he's not. And from Eubank's point of view, he's told a good story for a long time. He's had that name that's opened doors for him. He looks fantastic on Instagram, really in a pair of boxer shorts, the waist up, I hasten to add. Um, very aesthetic, aesthetic, athletic guy. Um, but when it's come to the crunch against world-class fighters in Billy Joe Saunders and George Groves, he's come up short. Um, so this another defeat in, in this fight to a post-peak De Gale, and one would really find it hard to sell him again as a fighter with that elite future. He may compete again at this level, but um, I think we would all know that his ceiling was contending rather than being a champion. All right. Again, we're in the preview mode. These are super middleweights uh, with Eubank and DeGale fighting in London. And again, in a moment, we're going to connect that to the WBC, the vacant WBC super middleweight title fight that is taking place in Minnesota in the great white north in the United States on on Saturday night, U.S. television on FS1 cable, the premier boxing champions card where Anthony Durrell is going to regain, trying, attempting to regain a portion of that championship. Um, All right, so size it up. Uh, for us, how do you think this fight likely goes with DeGale and uh, with Eubank? Will we see fireworks early? What is your thought? Or will these guys take some time and try to scientifically diagnose, dissect? Give me your uh, give me your read here in advance of this fight coming in London. Well, that, that that's the great thing about this fight. Um, I've, I've spoken a lot about the flaws uh, that they both have. Um, and it's in those flaws that the, the, the great imponderables in this in this bout come to the surface, um, because it 
like all fights, it's hard to predict. But in this particular case, it's specifically hard to predict that because the instinct, the, the, the history is that De Gale can win fights at this level, usually narrowly, usually on points. And Newbank can usually lose these type of fights at this sort of level and usually on points. So the, the, the natural... Uh, thought process is that when it comes to the crunch, De Gale is going to be just too good, despite the fact he's 33, essentially coming back from rehab surgery and perhaps with his best days behind him, um, he's going to be able to outbox Eubank because he has the better skill set and that is the most likely outcome. The the kind of uh, counter thought, the thing that nags away at you is that De Gale switches off occasionally in fights, takes a round or two off, begins to cruise if it's too easy, and then can find himself in a rut and can get caught up on points. That that can happen. And as we've mentioned, it's just whether he's got that uh, desire and appetite to survive another fist fight, big fight, uh, or harder slugfest if Eubank can make it one. Um, and Eubank tends to come on better in the second half of fights. That's what happened versus Billy Joe Saunders some years ago now when he was thoroughly outboxed for five or six rounds. He, 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 he dragged the cards back a little in the second half of the fight and regretted not starting earlier. Um, and against Groves, he had a late round push, but he was thoroughly outboxing both. So the chances are if DeGale's smart, he boxes smart, make, builds up a big points lead and then um, tries to stay out of range, tries to frustrate Eubank and gets the, get to a points win. And Eubank, one would assume, is going to try and set a hot pace that tires DeGale out and get to him at some point and maybe stop a tired and forlorn uh, De Gale who just doesn't have the resistance anymore. My, If I was laying money, I would go with the De Gale winning on points option. But uh, I must admit, Eubank has this habit of nagging away at me and, and creating doubt in my life. <laughs> when, all, when all the evidence I've got before me on YouTube and having watched these fights live, he just doesn't have the technical ability to do it but he just got this way of nagging away at you much like his dad used to because Eubank Senior wasn't the smoothest boxer um, but just had a way of outlasting people and getting to the line so um, as I say it's a, it's a fight with some flaws in the two fighters and it's a fight with some qualities and some contrasting qualities that just make you wonder whether you're, the obvious is actually what's going to come to pass but if you force my hand I'll go to Gale points narrowly Interesting. All right. Should be a very interesting fight uh, for that one. Again, it's in the afternoon. Showtime will televise in the United States. If you're in the UK, ITV, correct, David? We'll have that, but they, yeah. they may have it as part of a premium service. Am I correct on that? Elaborate and clue me in. Yes, it's going, it's going the dreaded pay-per-view box office. Uh, we always, um, for many years, ITV is one of the two biggest um, channels in the UK. It's the, it's the primary um commercial television that's most widely available uh, and there's always been the perennial desire for TV to be on terrestrial as we call it over here uh, box, sorry, boxing to be on terrestrial as we call it over here in the hope of reaching out to that big wide audience and getting that Saturday night audience but again uh, even though it's on ITV it's via the dreaded box office so uh, you'll have to part with your money to get to see it um, <laughs> but, but I, th- I, had, I hate saying it will be worth it um, but ultimately, if you duck and dive out of it and don't pay, then you're, you're taking it out of the fighters' pockets. You have to remember that. They're fighting for our entertainment, putting, putting their life and health on the line for our entertainment and obviously for a purse. 
Um, so it's important to support them as and when we can. Well, yeah, and this one... <laughs> that, was, that was a political answer, wasn't sure, it? Sure, oh. but in this in this case, they obviously believe there will be a lot of buys, a lot of purchases of this, and that's why it's there uh, from these two different guys. Uh, so again, Chris Eubank Jr., James DeGale, that one's super middleweight, about uh, not for a title. Uh, you have said to me, though, that out of the two, if Eubank is victorious that he is now under the umbrella of one Al Heyman and the premier boxing champions and Heyman uh, promotions. So he could end up fighting against Anthony Durrell should Durrell be victorious Saturday night, later in the evening, Saturday night, U.S. time. Durrell is fighting Avni Yildirim. Yildirim is from Turkey. Um, And Yildirim has got a pretty decent punch. However, Eubank himself defeated Yildirim back in October of 2017 by a third-round knockout. So uh, it's just interesting in connecting all of this that Eubank could be there for Anthony Durrell at some point later this year, something like that, depending on how it works out earlier in the day or how it works out on Saturday. You were saying to me before we began to record here that Anthony Durrell, not necessarily big-time household name in Europe, However, there may be a lot of intrigue later in the night if Eubank hypothetically wins. Okay, is his next fight Durrell if Durrell wins? And people are now going to be very interested in the second of those two fights, the U.S. fight. David, is my point. Yes, um, Durrell is known to some, um, but he's not a household name in the way that some fighters from over the pond would be. Um, But obviously the WBC belt still carries that gravitas. Uh, If Durrell comes through as you would presume he might against Yildirim, um, who is a, a, a strong fighter, um, fought at light heavyweight as an amateur and a reasonable amateur career. And when he fought Eubank, that was viewed very much as a 50-50 fight. Um, and so that is arguably Eubank's best performance and, and most credible victory away from home. It was a surprise when he dealt with him as easily as he did. Um, and at that point in time, the, that... At that moment, in the heat of that moment, there were a lot of people that thought he would go on to win the World Boxing Super Series tournament that he was part of at that point. Um, so, yes, they'll be more interested in the Durrell outcome. Um, Eubank obviously has that name for whatever resonance that might still have in the US. It certainly has plenty here. Uh, and there are lots of options opening up. As we know, they're all um, the same in the heavyweight division and every division, it seems, these days. They're all posturing and making land grabs, all these different um, promotional companies and uh, TV media platforms to try and find champions in different divisions that they can promote and put forward and put on. So it, it seems to get ever more complicated every time we talk, doesn't it, uh, TJ? Uh, so, But yes, Durrell would seem to be one natural progression for Eubank if he if he comes through on Saturday. I doubt whether DeGale would be interested in that fight. He, as I mentioned to you earlier, he gave up the IBF belt, having won it back from Caleb Truax um, because he didn't want to fight a guy from Colombia that he wasn't particularly interested or wasn't a lucrative option. He gave that up to pursue options like this and the George Groves fight that's now gone away. So I don't imagine he'll be interested in the Durrell outcome, um, but you might maybe because I'm pretty sure he'd like to get his hands on a genuine WBC super middleweight belt, uh, particularly with some of the other champions that are around, if unifications can be made in these complicated days, uh, then they may be very lucrative fights. Well, and again, one more. Durrell, in this case, has won five in a row. We connect the dots back to Badu Jack. 
Jack is the one that beat Durrell back in 2015. You mentioned he also beat James DeGale uh, as well. Uh, so now this is a chance for Durrell to get a portion of the title back that he used to hold. He's got 24 career knockouts. He's expected to win. Uh, Yildirium is a is a uh, Turk again who has won five fights in a row himself. Let's see how this one uh, plays out. Uh, he, had, he again lost to Eubank in 2017 and uh, has won, I, I said five. Yes, he is on a five-fight win streak. Let's see if he has any threat on Saturday evening on that U.S. card. So again, some super middleweight conversation as I talk with David Payne, who is the boxing writer. His website, again, boxingwriter.co.uk. We're also uh, utilizing David's writing some on the bigfightweekend.com website. We appreciate his willingness to share some of his thoughts and insights with us on our new website. We mentioned to check that out as well as finding the podcast here, Big Fight Weekend. You wrote something on your site about the heavyweights, and the last time I had you on about a week ago, we talked about Buster Douglas and the upset of Mike Tyson and what's going to happen with Anthony Joshua coming to the United States to fight on June the 1st against, uh, shall we just keep calling him Bebe Grande? I had somebody that speaks Spanish correct me. It is not Grande Bebe, it's Bebe Grande, the reverse. Should we keep calling him Bebe Grande, Jarrell Miller, or should we just go Big Baby? I, I leave I that think, to you. I think I think your American accent helps you get away with that more than it does me. It seems to sit more, it seems to sit more naturally for you. Rather than, <laughs> My but. southern sort of redneck version of Spanish uh, that I that I pull out. But anyway, Jarrell Miller, Anthony Joshua on June 1st, Madison Square Garden. We still don't know the date. It has not been announced at the time that we're rolling out with this Big Fight Weekend podcast. We don't know the date or the site uh, and uh, of Wilder Fury and the rematch. Part of that complication is Fury has signed on with Top Rank Boxing and Bob Arum in the United States. You have written about all of this in a piece that is on your Boxing Writer website. We link to that on BigFightWeekend.com about the heavyweights. And it's not uncommon that these guys are looking out for minimizing the risk and the opponents and where can I make the most money and how. It's, it's not uncommon just as a general uh, thought here. It goes back uh, for years in the heavyweight division for decades, really, on picking and choosing your spots, David. That was the thrust of your, of your commentary. It's, it's absolutely true. Um, it doesn't mean it's any less frustrating. Um, and it's, it's precious little comfort to know that it's always been this way. Um, but I think there is a sense these days um, that it seems to be getting easier for people, for fighters to do this. Um, with the advent of social media, with the advent uh, to give them a platform to, to, to explain their choices uh, and so on. And also the proliferation of sanctioning bodies, proliferation of um, big promotional companies with different media platforms. And obviously it's not just TV anymore. We've got streaming services. It seems that they're all disappearing down different highways and byways um, without ever needing to come to a crossroads and meet each other. Um, and it's about who wins the PR battle, who has the bigger purses and the, the endless negotiation. I wrote another article of, a, a few weeks ago about not fighting is the new fighting. Um, you know, <laughs> the, I like that. The, yeah, it's, it, it just seems um, it seems to be a, uh, a real problem in the current climate. However, heavyweights not fighting who fans and consensus would like them to fight is something that's gone back seemingly since the beginning of time. Um, we don't have to look, cast our minds that far back to remember Riddick Bowe putting a belt in the bin rather than fighting Lennox Lewis for whatever the story may have changed over time. That's ultimately what that was all about. 
we don't have to customise too far back to remember how easily Mike Tyson was matched for years until he ran into Evander Holyfield, who he thought was tired and old and finished, and he wasn't. We don't have to customise that far back um, to think about some of the fighters that were avoided because of the colour of the skin and so on. So there's there's all manner of, of reasons and circumstances and social pressures that have made this happen. But the thing that, uh, that I focused on in that particular article was that... Um, the 70s, when we had Ali, Fraser, Foreman, Norton, yep. even saying their name together, gives you a tingle, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, are they, uh, they're the anomaly. We compare every era to those since. We've compared it, oh, it could be like this, or if they just fought, it would be like this. But the, their era was almost one of a kind, because for so many other periods of time, um, the key guys didn't necessarily fight each other uh, straight away or at the right time. Or you had periods of dominance where one guy just beat everybody, like Joe Louis, Rocky Marciano, and, oh, dare I mention, Vladimir Klitschko in the same sentence as those two. I did. <laughs> you just but, hey, did. Oh, yeah, um, so you had periods of dominance. But which, if I can if I can interject, for Ali, for Frazier, for Foreman in that era, and listen to me talking like like I was uh, much more than a little tyke. I was a little tyke. You're, you're my contemporary. We were, we were young, yeah, yeah, but cool. we've read and we've watched – uh, since then, and we understand now that from the economics point, they had to fight each other to get the mega payday. The mega paydays were Ali fighting the biggest names against Frazier or for Foreman. That's when the big money began to really roll in. Don King got involved with promoting it. So there was a financial incentive, David, was my point, to have those biggest fights um, because those guys realize when I'm fighting a Jerry Quarry, when, when I'm fighting an Ernie Shavers, who you're fond of, or a Ken yep. Norton, that's not as big a name. It's not as big a payday. Now the paydays are so massive for a lot of these guys, they get to pick and choose. Uh, now, granted, Joshua had to had to fight the guys he was supposed to fight from the promoter and not get a lot of money for it to work his way up. Same thing Deontay Wilder recently. But what do you what do you make of that? That that Ali Frazier for, uh, Foreman had to have each other for the mega paydays, and that's that's a, a, a big reason why we saw them all mix it up over a four or five year period, round robin against each other. Yes, of course, um, that that's got to be a factor, and, and and Ali changed the landscape, changed the numbers um, with the help of Don King and others, and and obviously being in an era where he had natural adversaries. Um, uh, he, he changed those numbers uh, and it's never looked back um, really from that point and they, they, they did fight more frequently uh, for all sorts of different reasons um, I mean you catch your mind back to Archie Moore with the 180 whatever fights he had and Sugar Ray Robinson went all, well over 100 etc we just don't have that kind of frequency of fighting you know um, Sugar Ray Robinson lost to Randy Turpin here in the UK, and I think it was six or eight weeks later he was fighting him in a rematch over in the States, and that's just how quickly things were turned around. So the frequency was there, and they, they needed to fight frequently to earn. You're absolutely right. Uh, and yes, I mean, for example, some of the PBC guys, uh, some of the champions now, like, say, Gary Russell Jr., fights essentially once a year. Don't know how much he gets paid, presumably a couple of million, three million, and that's quite enough for him. I suppose if you do that three or four times and you leave a liver a reasonably well, by their standards, modest living, but by our standards, I'm sure quite luxurious. <laughs> right. That that's money to set you for the rest of your life, isn't it? You don't need to earn two hundred million to leave a very comfortable life. So um, the pressure is off them to some extent. And 
I'm always torn on this point because, yes, we'd love Anthony and Joshua to fight four or five times a year like Ali used to, sometimes more, but three, four, five times a year. And we'd like him to be facing the best possible opponents. But also, we don't want to look at Anthony and Joshua in 30 years' time suffering in the way that some of his predecessors have. So there's a balancing act to be found, isn't there? Um, and we have to accept that those champions at that level only fight twice a year at the most. Um but, but that brings its own problem because you can't afford a softer defence or a couple of marking time fights because that's 18 months of a career gone. Uh, whereas when Ali did it, when he did a European tour and fought someone in Germany and fought um, someone in London or whatever, um, he would still have two big massive fights in that same year. Um, whereas now it's twice and that's your lot. Um, so when we don't get the exact fight we want, it's very frustrating because we know we're going to have to wait six, eight, nine, twelve months to even see them in the ring again. And we have the daily output, social media, PR, just teasing us and 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 entwining us in their stories and boring us if we're honest. Uh, but that's that's the nature of the modern fight game and. The payoff is that the fighters are paid well, which should be how it is because they take all the risk and they are moderating how much damage they're absorbing to their bodies and their minds and their mental health, which I suppose we have to accept. Again, David Payne, waxing eloquently, as I like to say, on all of this. Read more at the Boxing Writers website at boxingwriter.co.uk. We've also linked to that off of Big Fight Weekend. Uh, you can check out uh, the website there, Big Fight Weekend, and you can link right to David's uh, commentary that he's written. And he, he's even uh, enlightening. I won't give the whole article away about a podcast that he's been listening to that's going through the heavyweights from the 60s on up uh, and, and why that's interesting and compelling. And some of those names, the names like Sonny Liston and Floyd Patterson that come in and around all of this and you move forward to Larry Holmes eventually and uh, and and then eventually the, the Tyson era, Lennox Lewis, et cetera, Klitschko, like you're mentioning, and now what we have with Joshua and with Wilder. One more on that, just as a follow-up to last week. We keep hearing that the hang-up is that now that Anthony Joshua has announced that he's going to fight on June 1st at Madison Square Garden, that there is some apprehension about Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fighting either immediately before or immediately after that fight in the New York area. That supposedly they had locked down the Barclays Center, Brooklyn, New York, as the site. They were looking at May 18th, for example, or a couple of weeks later in June, uh, somewhere around June 15th at the Barclays Center. The thought, the concern, the speculation is that that's what may be holding this up, that they now may not be fighting in New York. The fight may be somewhere else instead on that May 18th date. David, what do you make about all that speculation? And 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 would it be wise for Wilder and Fury to go ahead and fight before Joshua if they can on that date, if they're both in shape, ready to go? What do you think? Uh, I think the story's moved forward a little bit, TJ, since last we spoke. Um, uh, I had no insight as I don't think many people did. It was a very well-kept secret. But as you'll have read, I'm sure, in the States, the, um, Tyson Fury is now aligned with Bob Arum and Top Rank um, and ESPN. So the whole dynamics of all negotiations for all fights involving those heavyweights has changed. And I would now be very surprised. Um, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I'll be astonished if Tyson Fury fights Deontay Wilder next let alone whether it's in may or june um i think with the amount of money that espn have invested in fury 
I would imagine that they will want to have him appear on their network um, in a fight to introduce him to their audience. And I understand the ESPN is the biggest sports provider in the States. They'll want to introduce him again um, to that American audience and then build on from that to somehow negotiate a fight, which has now got to go across networks. So either there is a joint, um, there is a joint, uh, what's the word? Agreement or understanding. Agreement between, um, between uh, ESPN and Deontay Wilder's uh, ch- channel, uh, I believe, is Showtime over in the states. So they've got to, there's got to be some sort of co co promotion, co delivery of that event in a way that we've only seen once or twice before, which was uh, Lewis Tyson and Mayweather Pacquiao, which was obviously HBO back then, but now we've got new players. But it's essentially the same problem: um, people with their own asset, and they're going to want to be able to capitalize on showing their fights, and then when they meet some common ground's got to be found. So, so let me interject guys- again. Do you believe that Fury did the deal with Bob Arum in top rank because whatever was going on in terms of purse offering and, and any other stipulations or things he wanted weren't going well and that that's the signal to you? It's what it sounds like you're saying. The signal to you that this fight's not going to happen is Fury was frustrated or not happy with how the negotiations were going and that's why he went ahead and did this deal that now stands in the way of him fighting Wilder. What do you What do you say to that? I think that's that's a p- quite quite a plausible interpretation um, that they were getting down to the nitty gritty, and then felt frustrated. Um, perhaps felt the economics didn't reflect uh, his new position as an as an equal alongside Wilder and uh, Joshua. He's alluded to the fact that he feels he is an equal, if not the top dog these days, in terms of renown, popularity, status, uh, and they should come to him. And he doesn't want... He, he obviously took the challenger's wages last time, and we all saw what happened. Uh, and whilst he didn't get the verdict, I think he was the consensus winner, and he certainly snatched the... Um, moral ground um, and certainly snatched the audience with the way that he got up even if people have not as I mentioned seen the, necessarily seen the whole fight like us boxing fans have they will have seen a YouTube clip or a snippet on Twitter or some other social media platform of him getting up it's become a viral hit as we all know seen by millions and millions of people so his name has grown exponentially from from his performance, and um, he, I, I think he's got the sense that there were that there are better deals, there are better economics for him out there, uh, despite his willingness and um, his desire to to take that Wilder rematch and prove what he thought he proved the first time around. Uh, so yes, whatever the timings may have been, whether this was already in the water some weeks ago, whether it really did come at the last minute as Frank Warren suggested it has, uh, I don't know, but. Um, it's hard to it's hard to believe that we go from here, which February the twenty something, to a date in May, which is only three months away for what would be an enormous promotion, and you're going to have two competing television uh, streaming platforms with their two most prized assets on display. Uh, something has to give, and I think what we'll give is the fight won't get made, and both will that. have to. Fight. Yeah. All right. That's very good. Educated uh, point of view on that. Again, David Payne with me for a few more moments. It's the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Again, read David on his website, boxingwriter.co.uk. We're also utilizing him not only in the podcast, but 
uh, some of his wisdom and insight and writing on BigFightWeekend.com. Again, our buddy Marquise Johns does a great job uh, with that, and we've got others uh, as well that are contributing. I'm even contributing some here and there. Uh, we're talking about the, uh, the, the potential heavyweight I guess trifecta, if you will, the three-headed monster of Anthony Joshua, who we believe will win and win convincingly on June the 1st, and then whether or not uh, Joshua fights Deontay Wilder, fights Tyson Fury, do Wilder and Fury fight each other before or just after this or not at all, as David was just saying. Uh, One thing that I was thinking when you were giving your answer, we have a phrase over here, uh, it's not the proper grammar. The proper grammar, grammar is who needs whom. Here it's who needs who. Who needs who out of this? Tyson Fury needs Anthony Joshua or Deontay Wilder to give him a fight for the belt because that's the biggest fight that's there for him. And so eventually ESPN and Top Rank, they know this, are going to have to come around and make that fight across the platforms, whether they did this deal or not. What you're saying is you may see another fight here from him showcased by them before you see the bigger fight uh, down the road. But who needs who in this? I mean, in Wilder's case, he doesn't need Tyson Fury. He can go find another opponent and wait and, and try to smoke Joshua out and go fight him somewhere down the road. Uh, he can say to his to his audience, to his fans, hey, I, I don't believe that I deserve to draw. I believe I won that fight. And if Tyson Fury doesn't want to fight me in a rematch, I'll go fight other people and make a bunch of money doing it. I'm not saying that we win as fight fans, but that could happen. And we'll... Uh, We'll see if it. Uh, we'll see if it in fact does. So very interesting on that point. Have we pretty well covered it all? Is there anything else well, uh, well, that we well, share? Go uh, ahead. Other thoughts. You 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 pose a question within your analysis there, and um, the, the truth of it is, of course, between the three of them, they they all need each other. They all need each other if they want their careers to mean more than their bank balance when they're finished. Um, they're all in absolutely in their prime now. There is no need for them to be polished any further. There is no need for them to experience something else. Um, they've all been knocked down. Uh, they've all been up against it. They've all fought in big stadiums. They've all fought very, very good fighters. Um, they just haven't fought each other. And they all need each other if they want, as I mentioned, if they want their careers to mean more um than just the paychecks they've collected and a few high points here and there. If they want their, their, their respective and collective careers to go down in history, then they need to fight each other. Agreed. Um, Agreed. That, you know, and I, and I, I give very um, sanitized answers to some of the questions you posed earlier on about the fact that these guys don't fight as frequently. Uh, they get paid a lot better. Um, and that's good because so for so long fighters were injured and hurt and abused by people in privileged positions and that wasn't good and they left boxing broken and penniless and that's not good but these guys are wealthy men already these guys are at their peak at 29 30 and 32 or thereabouts um they really need to capitalize now they're all going to get paid amazing amounts of money and there are heroes because they take risks that we won't take because they have ability that we don't have and because they're courageous in ways that we can't show. Um, and they do need to get on with it. And I just hate the fact that that's not going to be the case. And we're going to have to talk a lot more about them fighting Dominic Brazil and Brian Jennings and Joseph Parker and all these other competent guys, <laughs> but they're not each other. Um, and that's a real that will be a real shame if we're still in a year's time haven't seen at least one, if not two, of these potential matchups. Um, I really do hope that that's not the case. 
but I dread my instinct is that that will be the case. Interesting. All right. And again, there's different promoters and different networks behind them. For example, the Joshua fight now on DAZN, the streaming service here from Matchroom Boxing and uh, and Eddie Hearn, the promoter there. So you got you to gotta find a way. But, you know, you and I, I'm going to put a smile on your face, even though I can't see you. You and I go back to Leonard and Hearns and Duran and Hagler understood we need to fight each other for this to become great and for there to be mega fights. And we want to fight each other for our legacies, for how people remember us. And we remember those guys fondly 30, 35, and we will 40, 45, 50 years later because they did fight each other. Yeah, TJ, TJ, Sugar Ray Lenny, if I'm not mistaken, I'm quoting off the top of my head. So if there's any um, real boxing record aficionados out there, forgive me. But I believe Sugar Ray Leonard fought uh, Benitez, Duran and Hearns before he was 24. I could be mistaken. I think you're right. Yes. Uh, So these guys are 29 and 30 and 31. Um, So it's, it's, you know, let's get, let's get on with it. But as I said, my instinct is we'll be waiting for some time yet. Yes. So let's see uh, what happens there. And again, read more of uh, what David has written about the heavyweights. And look, it's not it's not anything new where they would pick and and choose who and where they were going to fight. I mean, Tyson, for example, even when he was cleaning out the heavyweight division in the late uh, 1980s, would pick and choose who it was going to be where. Uh, and so that and and what kind of risk he was going to take, and it took a while. For example, it took a couple of years before the Michael Spinks fight finally happened, and some of that was maybe fear yeah. on the on the part of Spinks and his promoters about getting in there with Tyson and what's going to happen. And of course, the the worst possible scenario for the Spinks camp happened. It still amazes me. Thirty one years later, Michael Spinks fought one round against Mike Tyson for that mega money and never fought again after that. Uh, when when Tyson destroyed him that night in Atlantic City, but that's maybe yeah, what they this, were fearing about getting in there with Tyson, David. Yeah, well, th- this is the thing: it's fight changing money, I'm sure, for Spinks. And but the, uh, the, the if there's a lesson to be learned from about fighting Mike Tyson, it's not to do it with knee high socks because it did neither Trevor Burbick or <laughs> Pink favors whatsoever. <laughs> I, I can tell you. I can tell you this. I often joke. I've joked about this, and it is 31 years uh, later this May that that fight took place and took less than two minutes after all of the buildup. Uh, but, but what I'm saying is, I just remember in that time period, and you do too, and a lot of the longtime fight fans remember, we talked about Tyson Spinks for like a year and a half, maybe even yeah. two years before it finally happened, uh, for it to last a minute and a half. But in any event. Uh, you knew Michael Spinks was in dire trouble for two reasons. Number one, you see him step through the ropes when you see it again on YouTube or whenever they're replaying the fight, and he takes the deepest breath with like an <laughs> eye roll that you've ever seen, David Payne, like, oh my God, I'm really here. This is about to happen. And the second thing is, after warming up for however long he did, he was bone dry. He couldn't sweat. He was so nervous he couldn't sweat. Uh, so again, I'm jokingly kind of making the point that they danced around in the figurative business sense for as long as they could before Spinks got in there with him and Tyson destroyed him. And I still find it fascinating. He never fought again after that one round and that mega, that mega payday. And you make a great point because Tyson at that time was what, 22 or whatever, when he was taking that chance with Spinks and all the other guys that he was fighting before he eventually fought Buster Douglas a couple of years later, 23, 24, when he fought Buster Douglas. Uh, yeah, it is high, it's high time for Joshua Wilder. Yes, go ahead. I was just going to say, 
we, we wander off point, but that's what happens sometimes with these conversations. Yes, and I love it. Of course, when when Tyson returned, he himself, I'm sure, would have fought anybody, but you didn't see a big puncher in the no. other corner. You didn't see a Ray Mercer or a George Foreman. You saw, oh. you saw Peter McNeely fall over at the first couple yeah. of punches, and remember the name Bruce Selden off the top of my head, who fell over without being hit for being yeah. intimidated. So it was yeah. a joke at the beginning to try to build him back up, yes. And if you remember the Bruno rematch, um, well, the rematch is, is an unfortunate phrase, but it was the second time they, they fought each other. Um, that uh, I think Bruno may be the only person that uh, could match Michael Spinks for the amount of deep breaths he took on the walk to the ring. <laughs> That's well said. Uh, brave, brave, brave man, old Frank, but um, I think he knew he was in trouble the second time. Well, look, I mean, and the point is, again, and I'm pointing people to the article, it's not just a recent phenomenon that these guys are looking out in their own interest for the best payday with the least amount of risk until there is a mega fight. Our point is, and I think we've articulated it repeatedly on these podcasts and right here on this one specifically, is we'd rather see these fights sooner rather than later. Wilder Fury should happen this summer somehow, some way. Uh, Joshua and Wilder should get together, especially if Wilder and Fury aren't. They should get together somehow, some way this winter, early next year, and they should fight. Uh, I don't. Yeah. They're not asking us, but let's see if it uh, if it could happen. Anything else, David Payne, to cover before we get out of here and get ready for this weekend that has the super middleweights fighting in London and in Minnesota? What about it? Anything else? No, I think that's all. I think you'll see a fun fight between the Gale and Eubank. Let's see where either of those guys are. And I shall try and catch the Durrell fight if he's the nat- next natural opponent for a Eubank if he comes through. Um, so that, that the both, both could be interesting fights. And the super middleweight division is that is that nice blend of good power shots, but good boxing and good movement too. So always brings up good competitive fights as a rule. No doubt about that. Love the boxing writer. And again, read more. He's going to be recapping the whole weekend. He's got a fight preview of DeGale and Eubank that is up currently on freebets.net. You can read that at the time we're taping the podcast. He'll recap it as well on his own site, boxingwriter.co.uk. We also link to that site uh, when David is writing some on bigfightweekend.com as he's contributing there as well. Listen, thank you. You made extra effort waiting on me on this podcast. I want to publicly acknowledge you for that too. Thank you for that. You're a champ in, in, in the quotes on, on, uh, on this edition of the podcast for waiting on me to be able to get to you and interview you it was worth it let's see what these 168 pounders what is that in the uh, the british w- weight in uh, stone what, what do we have for 168 what do we have that's the 12 stone division 12 stone division 168 12. here yeah, i got gotcha. you yeah. all right so yeah. we're looking forward to those fights this weekend david payne thank you we will see these fights we'll be reading you thank you sir see you next time tj thanks again a reminder big fight weekend brought to you in part by touch vodka again go to touchvodka.com to find out more about their outstanding product where you can get your hands on their five different flavors of their great product it's touchvodka.com we're back on big fight weekend now here's your host tj reeves Got to get some more insight right now. Love getting the opportunity to talk with this guy as well when we got some fights and we're mixing it up in the super middleweight class, 168 pounders. Antoine Williams, 
is here with me from greatest of all time, GOAT Boxing Promotions. He's out of Houston, Texas, huge fight fan, contributor here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast as well as BigFightWeekend.com. Twan, how you feeling? You getting ready for these fights coming on Saturday from the guys just above the middleweight division? Yes, I am. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. We got less than 48 hours to go before we go live, you know, with uh, Anthony Durrell, which is a brother of of Andre Durrell. I'm looking forward to seeing him get back into action. And he's fighting this great uh, fighter coming out of Turkey by the name of Adam Yudrin. So hopefully I said that right. But yeah, TJ, I'm excited. It's boxing. It's back. We're ready. And it's it's a big time uh, fight for Durrell in particular. Uh, is it is a title fight that is coming, and it's on national cable TV here. Uh, so let's get into this uh, just a little bit, because for Anthony Durrell, as you mentioned, uh, it's an opportunity to regain a, a portion of the super middleweight championship that he used to hold. And it's a it's an opponent that uh, that could be dangerous here in this fight, but obviously Durrell is the favorite because they would like premier boxing champions uh, as as his promoter Al Heyman, et cetera, they would like to have him have a championship. So this is clearly a golden opportunity for him to get a piece of it back as in terms of the WBC version of the belt if he can take care of business on Saturday night. Give me a thought on Darrell the fighter. What do you like? And how much do you like his chances to win in this one? Well, I, I do like Darrell. I think he's a, a classic boxer. Uh, puncher, you know, he's a, he's in there. He has a pretty good boxing IQ. Um, he's not really going to try to put a lot of, you know, take a lot of risk in the ring. He's there to just do his thing. He's very, uh, unique and crafty. Um, he has, you know, out of his 30, out of his 32 wins, he's, he has 24 knockouts. So he does have some power TJ, but again, he's really going to go in there, box you, win rounds, be smart, try not to get hit. The name of the game, of course, in boxing is to hit and not get hit and try to last and have a great career. Um, so I do think that uh, he has a really good boxing IQ. Now, the guy he's going up against, you know, Avni, uh, they call him the robot. You know, that he goes by the, the robot. And we don't really know a lot about him as far as the, the type of danger he presents, you know, in the fight. Um, but I do think that uh, Darrell is going to go in there, devise a good game plan, and try to pick a spot. I, I truly do. Well, and Yildirim uh, is a former light heavyweight. We were making mention of this when David Payne was on with me just a little while ago here on Big Fight Weekend about this about this matchup in the United States. And, and Yildirim also connects back to Chris Eubank. We'll talk about that in a second. So he's a former light heavyweight who's moving down a little bit. He did, he did beat American Glenn Johnson back about four years ago. Uh, he suffered that loss to Eubank, but he has also uh, been on a bit of a roll uh, here as of late. Five-fight win streak for him, 12 knockouts in 21 wins. So competent opponent here. But again, I come back to this is set up for Durrell to take care of business here and reclaim a portion of the middleweight championship and really be a player uh, here in terms of world title fights in the coming months. Next two or three fights for him could be huge paydays. That's that's the intrigue of this one. Can Durrell do what he's supposed to do or can Yildirim mess it up? That's that's what we're watching, right? That's why. Yes, that's why we're watching. It's boxing. Anything can happen. One punch can put your lights out. You know, so you have to take every fight serious. You have to be mentally ready. Um, you can't take any fighter for granted. And one thing that kind of stood out me stood out to me, TJ, about uh, Yerdrum, is 
out of his 22 pro fights, the, the, the kid has only fought uh, four fighters with a losing record. So that says something. That says that they started his career off tough. You know, he wasn't just taking uh, easy fights. He was in there to, to, to be competitive. Um, he beat some, you know, he beat some guys that can actually fight that had a winning record. So that really stood out to me. I think this kid is coming over to uh, try to, he understands he's the underdog, but he's coming over to try to shock Darrell and, and throw a wrench in the apple cart. You know, um, everybody knows Darrell is promoted by Al Heyman. Um, and so the, the, the goal right now is to try to get Darrell a title shot, you know, maybe with the winner of uh, Caleb Truex or Kid Chocolate, the winner of that fight. And so we know that's the goal of Al Heyman, you know, with him being with PBC. So uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a real fight. We'll see what happens. It's a good point that you make because Premier Boxing Champions did announce late Thursday afternoon that that is another upcoming uh, fight card in Minnesota. Who knew that suddenly Minnesota would be kind of an epic uh, uh, boxing area and <laughs> boxing town. I mean, I know the college basketball Final Four is coming there. They played the Super Bowl there a year ago. We know about the Minnesota Vikings and the Minnesota Twins and the Minnesota Timberwolves, but Rob Brandt fought in Minnesota on ESPN last weekend at the time we're taping. We now have this Durrell title fight, and then as you mentioned, Kid Chocolate is going to fight against uh, Caleb Truax. That is coming in April as well, right after the Final Four the next weekend, April the 13th. They're also fighting at this same location, the Armory. Who knew, Antoine, that Minnesota suddenly becomes a bit of a hotbed uh, for a little boxing in the middleweight or the super middleweight division, but that's the way it's worked out. Yeah, sounds like it. You know, Minnesota, they're, they're trying to make some ground. They're trying to become uh, known for some things. I mean, think about it. The Minnesota Vikings, they just built that great new stadium. Yeah. I believe they have... A, uh, an indoor stadium, you know, with a nice uh, retractable roof, if I'm not mistaken. So it sounds like Minnesota is, is trying to put themselves on the map. You know, um, the Vikings, they're, they've been kind of hit or miss over the years. Um, it's not a bad fight town, though. You know, I mean, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the guy in the co-main event, James, uh, I believe his name is Jamal James. He's in the co-main event. So I think they're trying to kind of build up some prospects and, and, and make Minnesota maybe uh, an up-and-coming fight town, you know. But but just getting back to to the fight, I think that um, we have a really really good you know main event this Saturday. Uh, I think this main event could be possibly you know it could possibly be a uh, war. And the reason I say that again is because I'm looking at the records of Anthony Durrell with him being 32 and one, and of course that only loss came to Badu Jack, which by the way is uh, a, a former world champion himself. He just lost that title. Uh, just, you know, a month or so ago when he had that, that gruesome cut that required lots of stitches. So uh, Anthony Durrell, you know, he has a great record, 32-1. and one, And um, with him fighting Yildron, I think it's a chance, again, for Yildron to come over here and show that, hey, I'm not just an opponent. I'm here to make some noise. I'm coming over from Turkey. I haven't fought just anybody. I've actually been in the ring with some great fighters. Um, or some pretty good fighters, I should say, and I'm coming over here to make make some noise. Now, here's the thing: Yotron has 12 knockouts in 21 fights, so it doesn't look like he's a big puncher, okay? But one thing that kind of stood out to me is he's a short guy. He's a short guy, TJ. He's five foot eleven, 168 pounds. What that tells me already is that he understands in order for him to get in there and and win and and win impressively, he has to stand in the pocket and fight Darrell. You're not going to stand outside 
the, the square circle and box with 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 uh, Anthony Durrell. You're just not going to do that. I mean, he he's has a great jab. He's long. He's over six feet. So in order for Yildron, in my opinion, to pull the upset, he has to get in the telephone booth, <laughs> make this or make dirty, get get you know hit hit him to the body. Um, if you have to turn him and 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 hit low, you know, I mean, we don't want him to do that. But if you have to turn him and when the rest not looking and hit him low, just to gain that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you, you know, some of the that's the old Bernard Hopkins for you. So I think he has to get inside and I think he has to um, make this a, some kind of a war if he can. Yeah, close the distance and be able to make something happen if he is. Now, the intrigue, too, here is the fight earlier in the day with DeGale and Eubank that as we were also mentioning uh, with David Payne, the boxing writer, that Chris Eubank Jr. has signed on with Heyman Boxing, Heyman Promotions. So should he be victorious, Eubank, in the fight with DeGale, he possibly could be fighting Durrell somewhere later, late this summer, early fall. Those two could scrap for this WBC belt, all things being equal. Eubank wins and then Durrell wins later in the night. Uh, what do you think of that real quick, Antoine? They might be fighting each other before it's all said and done. Yes, I like that fight, actually, TJ. The reason I like that fight is because Chris Eubank has been, it's been kind of questionable if he's been in, the, in there with um, a lot of big names. You know, think about it. I mean, his biggest names in his resume to date were notable wins over Arthur Abraham, who's um, kind of over the hill, and now he's actually retired, believe it or not. And then he actually fought, um, he actually fought another kid. Uh, he fought Billy Joe Saunders. I'll pick you up. He fought Billy Joe Saunders probably a little early in his career. He was 18-0, and and Saunders uh, beat him by split decision for his first loss. He won a bunch of fights after that, including beating uh, Yorildum, the uh, the Turk, beat him in October of 2017 again by third-round knockout. But then a Brit, George Groves, uh, ended up winning a unanimous decision against him for his second loss. And so he's had one fight since then, Eubank. He stopped a, a uh, Irishman, J.J. McDonough, in the third round last September. Kind of a bounce-back fight. Now this is a big step up in competition with DeGale. And both of these guys can punch. So that's going to be entertaining. And, and, and obviously there's a lot on the line for Eubank because there's a large payday involved in this one, significant. And there's a really large payday probably to fight Durrell if he wins and if they make that title fight again for later this summer or later this year. So there's a lot that's in front of uh, Chris Eubank here if he can get that win earlier in the day in London, U.S. time on Saturday. Yes, absolutely. And that's what I was thinking about too is, is uh, he, there's, there's a lot on the line. You know, you still have True Rocks and Kid Chocolate, you know, they're, they're actually out there as potentials for, for the winner of Durrell. Um, so, you know, don't forget about that. And then, like you said, you have Eubank and DeGale, the winner of that fight, probably to fight Anthony Durrell, which I think in most likelihood, if I had to take a pick, I would say Eubank would likely come out come out of that as a winner. And and the reason that um, I feel that, that, that way, TJ, is because DeGale has been kind of, you know, getting up there in age. I mean, some fights he looks like he's not really mentally locked in. Some fights he looks great. You know, he fought Bobby Jack. That fight was a uh, majority draw um, with Bobby Jack. And both of those guys tasted the canvas you know, in, in the fight. But DeGale, you kind of don't know what you're going to get sometimes. I feel like sometimes mentally he's just not into the fight. Um, you know, his, his chin has been kind of questionable at times. But then you look at Eubank, you flip the script and you look at Eubank, and they say Eubanks not really beating anybody, so I think 
that Eubank fighting Anthony Durrell does a lot for Anthony Durrell and Eubank's career because the winner at that point sets them apart and lines them up for a major title, um, major title. And let's think, and, and let's be honest, the 168 pound division has some good fighters in there. You know, you throw in some fighters um, like Canelo, you know, Canelo's actually fighting between 60 and 68 now. And right. everybody knows he's, he's recognized pound for pound top five. No questions asked. Um, you have another fighter, um, out there, uh, uh, give, give me this fighter's name. He just he just fought for a title. Um, Caleb uh, Plant. Caleb Plant won one of the Caleb vacant Plant. belts. That's, That's correct. <laughs> Caleb Plant. So Caleb Plant just won. You know, he just beat uh, Jose Uzicati. So um, and that was a very impressive impressive fight for Caleb Plant, putting Uzicati on the on the mat twice. So there's there's actually some names out there at 68. So I think that Darrell. It would do him good justice to go out there, win the fight uh, this Saturday, take care of business, and then if you get a fight with Kid Chocolate, the winner of Kid Chocolate and Truex, you take care of business there, um, and then you you know you go ahead and take that fight with the winner of Eubank and, and DeGale. So boxing is there's so many good matchups TJ that can be made. Um, I'm drooling just over the thought of <laughs> perspective, as you can tell the energy in my voice. I'm just there's so many good fights to be made, and 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 I don't want to get off the off the subject, but don't forget about the great fights coming up, TJ, in the coming months. You sure. have Canelo Jacobs. Uh, you have Deontay Wilder Fury too. Um, you know you have Anthony Amir Joshua, Con, yep. Crawford. Yep. You have uh, you have Errol Spence, Mikey Garcia, and the list goes on. And I can go on and on for days. So there's so many great matchups, so many great pay per view fights. Um, right now, people are arguing back and forth who's the best fighter in the world. You have some people saying Lomachenko. You have some people saying Terrence Crawford. You have some people saying that when it's all said and done, if Errol Spence continues to win, that he's the best pound-for-pound fighter. Boxing is alive and well, too. I'm just very excited. Yeah, no doubt. And again, Anthony Durrell uh, fighting for the vacant WBC super middleweight title. Again, that's the headlining card on FS1 on Fox Sports 1 Cable Saturday evening Premier Boxing Champions show. And Avni Yadiram is the fighter from Turkey. One loss on the resume, um, and that one loss again is to Chris Eubank, who's fighting later in the day or earlier in the day, excuse me, in London against James DeGale, kind of as an eliminator. No titles on the line in that fight. Again, if DeGale wins, DeGale probably not likely in the mix to fight Darrell. They're promoted by different people. DeGale is older by four years, not going to fight much longer. Still, Eubank, if he wins, that's much more interesting if that's the case. Uh, we'll see. Another moment or two, Antoine Williams is the other voice you're hearing with me on Big Fight Weekend. Contributes as well as part of BigFightWeekend.com, uh, that new site that has launched. Check us out, BigFightWeekend.com, in addition to the podcast, however you found the podcast here uh, through RadioInfluence.com, through iTunes, through Stitcher, through Google Play. Subscribe to this podcast, but also find the website, BigFightWeekend.com. And Antoine is part of Goat Promotions, greatest of all time. Goat Promotions out of Houston, Texas. And I know you've got a special event coming not this Saturday, but the first Saturday in March. Tell the audience more about your event in the Houston area, how they can find out more about what you're doing. Uh, you have the floor. Go for it, sir. Thank you, TJ. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're doing uh, some great promotions here in Houston Greatest of all time, Boxing Promotions, that's uh, my company. We're actually going to have a big meet and greet. For those that are listening, we're going to have a meet and greet on Saturday, March the 2nd. We'll be over at Tubelo's Sports Bar. Uh, that's Tubelo's Sports Bar over in the uh, Spring and Woodlands area. We're going to be out there hanging out. 
Uh, we're going to have a lot of new fighters coming out. Uh, some of the new faces, top fighters in, in, in Houston and the surrounding areas coming out, uh, taking pictures. You know, uh, we'll be doing some interviews, some live interviews. We'll have some photographers out there. We'll be do- talking a little bit about uh, the upcoming big sparring event that will be happening. Uh, and, by the way, that event will be taking place the following Saturday, which is Saturday, March the 9th, which will be taking place. And that event will be taking place on Saturday, March the 9th, over at JD by Ryder. Um, and that's going to be over at Hobby in the Hobby uh, Airport location. So that'll be a great event. So the fighters are going to be intrigued. They'll be excited, pumped up. They'll get a chance to get a lot of great exposure. We'll have an outdoor event where the fighters will be out there competing in the ring, sparring, getting training, um, lots of different interviews, and lots of just great exposures for the fighters. And that's something, of course, we're big on here at Goat, Goat Boxing uh, here in Houston. So, you know, thanks again, TJ. But we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of exciting events coming up in Houston, March second, March 9th, and beyond. Um, and we're just we couldn't be more we couldn't be more more excited to be representing for for the state of Texas. Uh, if, for those of you that want to find more about our events here in Houston, you can always catch us catch up with us on my website. That's www.thegoat.com boxingpromotions.com uh you can also hit us up on our facebook page that's the goat boxing promotions and then of course we're on instagram at boxing expert 33 again that's at boxing expert 33 so you'll find out all about our events that we're doing all the things we're doing in the community we have a website we have merchandise we have shirts cups you name it we have it and uh we just want to thank everybody for all the support so and and again uh, Big Fight Weekend is a wonderful up-and-coming program, and I'm just so glad to be a part of it. TJ, you're doing an awesome job. As Thank you. Already and again, I want to add one other thing to what you were saying, that you're looking for prospective fighters. So if you are in the region, if you are in Texas, if you are able to get in and around the Houston area in the next 10 days, you're looking for fighters, up-and-coming fighters, that are interested in being part of GOAT promotions, getting noticed, getting recognized. You're soliciting right now. Hey, if you're a young, up-and-coming fighter, contact us, right? Come be part of these events, right? That's right. That's right. Contact us. Hit us up. Hit us up on Facebook. You know, send us an email. The email is thegoatboxingpromotions at gmail.com. Hey, I'm, I'm soliciting right now. You know, we're looking for all the great talent. We're looking to make future world champions. Uh, we we uh, we have a lot of talent in Texas, even outside of Texas. You know, I was very excited to learn that there's a, a couple people that called me and said, hey, we're driving down from Amarillo, which, by the way, is about 10 or 12 hours from Houston. Really? So people, wow. Yes. And so, yes, there's people driving down from Amarillo, Texas. They will be competing in the live sparring event. And that's that's news to, to our ears. And uh, it just goes to show the kind of the kind of caliber and the kind of, you know, presentation and uh, reputation that we have here with Go Boxing. So. For those of you out there that are looking to become a boxer, that want to do something fun, unique, it's the best sport, it's the greatest sport in the world, hands down, no questions asked, come on out and see us. March the 2nd, put your name in the hat so you can get some uh, a chance to potentially spar on March the 9th and learn more about all the things we're doing here in the Houston area and surrounding area. Love that. Antoine Williams, great stuff. We'll see what happens with Anthony Durrell and this title opportunity for him for the vacant WBC Super Middleweight title on Saturday. I appreciate the time here with the insight. Thank you, sir, as always, as part of Big Fight Weekend. I appreciate it, Antoine. Hey, you're more than welcome. Have a great And there he goes, Antoine Williams, again, promoting there with greatest of all time boxing promotions, GOAT promotions. You go to their website, greatestofalltimeboxingpromotions.com, and also their Facebook page as well for GOAT Boxing. Look them up.
Uh, Antoine uh, doing a great job as an up-and-coming promoter, and he's got that event coming next weekend. If you're in Texas, if you're in the Houston region, any, anywhere around where you can get to that uh, event, go see them, especially if you're an up-and-coming fighter or no one. We're plugging away here on the Big Fight Weekend uh, podcast. Reminder, again, we are sponsored by Touch Vodka Five different flavors of that great-tasting vodka that is based in the Sunshine State where I come your way on Big Fight uh, Weekend. They're proud sponsors. Nirvana Spirits is the parent company. Again, go to touchvodka.com to find out more about how you can get a hold of their product. Uh, and we thank them for, again, being involved with Big Fight Weekend. All right, we got to get out of here for now. Super middleweights fighting this weekend. What will happen in London first with DeGale and Eubank? And again, if Eubank wins, he could be coming stateside to fight Anthony Durrell if Durrell is victorious. Uh, as part of the PBC Boxing Show, Premier Boxing Champion Saturday night all over the country on FS1 Cable. If Darrell wins, the options are open to him for later this summer and this fall as the WBC Super Middleweight Championship. Uh, the belt holder, he's going to try to reclaim that on Saturday night. That'll do it for this edition of Big Fight Weekend. My thanks also to David Payne. Check out his site, boxingwriter.co.uk. We also partner up with him and have his articles at times on bigfightweekend.com. Again, go peruse our website, bigfightweekend.com. Marquise Johns doing a great job keeping you up to date on uh, fights and schedules and previews and recaps. And we even interject some historical perspective on the sport of boxing. Some of the great fights way back when or even recently. We'll keep you up to date with all of that. Bigfightweekend.com. Go to the website as well. Bookmark that guy and also follow us on social media on uh, Twitter at Big Fight Weekend and on Facebook as well for Big Fight Weekend. Uh, my thanks also to Antoine Williams for being with me as well, helping breaking down the sweet science for this weekend. Enjoy the super middleweight fights for this weekend. We thank you for being with us. Again, thanks to RadioInfluence.com. However you found the podcast, subscribe. It'll come to you automatically through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and tune in. It is Big Fight Weekend. This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Arizona, by the way, been very active signing a number of veteran players that have been released off of different teams. Signing tight end Charles Clay. These are some prudent moves. Don't know how many of them are going to make it. Doesn't matter. You're setting this up to sign some veteran players on this roster. We'll see where it takes you. You know, obviously, you're going to have a 90-man roster in camp. We'll see how it plays out. Guys are not in real good shape, don't have much football left. You move on from them. Pay attention to these moves this time of year where people are adding some veteran players to the staff. It's a great opportunity to see what they could bring or not. But these these roster fillers that helps you, provides depth, Really, really important. Uh, may not be big name guys, but are very, very helpful. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.